It's good to see you. So glad you guys are with us here in person, live today. Uh, those of you watching online, I appreciate you guys clicking on and clicking over and being with us today. Uh, let me invite you to open up to our main text. Uh, we're going to be in the New Testament following 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. I'll give you a moment to get there and to get ready for that. Last week uh, was a special day. It was Heart for the House for our church. Uh, it was National Back to Church Sunday. Uh, it, we did have a decent crowd last week. It was good to see all the faces who were here live in person. Uh, but it was Heart for the House, and we, we uh, cast some vision for this fourth quarter and into the new year of 2021. And we have some vision cards. If you were unable to be here or haven't had a chance to pick one of those up, we have these available uh, for you. Lots of things. We just basically cast some vision for uh, our church to be engaged, to be equipped, so that we can expand to touch the world around us for Jesus wherever we go. And uh, we, we, we uh, want to continue to expound on that and, uh, and just continue to uh, I- inspire and encourage each one of us in those ways. And so the vision card has lots of different ways of us for us to engage uh, together in person and online uh, in this season we're in, and uh, as well as ways you can become more spiritually equipped and built up in your faith and to grow uh, in, in your uh, relationship with the Lord and in relationships with one another as the body of Christ. One thing that's new that's coming up this Wednesday that will be on our YouTube channel uh, is, is called The Gathering on the last Wednesday uh, at 6 p.m. Uh, if you're able, click on our channel and uh, we have a special service uh, that's going to be on there. And uh, we're going to have a chance to uh, pray together, pray for one another uh, you're going to hear an inspiring, faith-building testimony that's just going to be amazing to you, I promise you. And we're going to have a chance to take communion together. We have these uh, prepared communion elements already available for you at the welcome table at the back before you leave. You can grab you some for your household, or you can use your own elements if you want to do that as well. These are just available, and so we're going to make time on that particular uh, night uh, on the gathering this Wednesday uh, to take communion together as a church. And uh, so let me, let me uh, encourage you in that. Go to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org, uh, and, and you'll see everything about that. You'll see some scrollers on the homepage. You'll look under ministries. You'll see the different things for our next generation, our New Life Kids, our Glare Youth, our outreach ministry, which, by the way, this, this past week we, we uh, finished like a six-week push for, to help RIFA raise uh, like 100,000 pounds of food. Our church contributed 420 pounds of food this last week. So thank, thank God for that. That's a lot of food. 420 pounds of food uh, is a lot of food. Just imagine how many times back and forth from the car you got to go with that. So thanks to Miss Lorraine uh, for that and helping uh, uh, make sure that gets steered in the right direction. We appreciate your faithfulness, Miss Lorraine. And the church, those of you who contributed in uh, financially or in just in... Uh, consumable resources. We appreciate that uh, to help us continue to do that. And so we're going to continue on with outreach and missions, and there you'll hear more about the different ways from month to month and our involvement in the community and around. So, uh, well, let's let's get into today's message. Uh, we are wrapping up a series called Foundations. <clears throat> We've been on this for about six weeks or so, and the uh, plan is to land this plane today. Um, with, with the final message in this. We've been exploring uh, NLCs, New Life Church's Tenets of Faith, basically the teachings that we hold to be, real, to be truth in the sense that 
uh, all of the Bible's true, but there are, there are certain doctrinal statements and beliefs that our church especially subscribes to, like majority of churches do. Uh, and we've just kind of basically taken this time to revisit these foundational truths so that we can tighten our grip uh, in a day and time that we live in. I don't know about you, but how many of you ever thought you would live in a time like today uh, with craziness abounding? Uh, I just didn't think people talk about it possibly happening, uh, but it's happening. Uh, and so as the church, as followers of Jesus, we got to make sure our grip is on the right thing. And truth is the best place to hold uh, because it'll never fail you. It'll never let you down. And so that's what we've been doing. We've been exploring these truths. So I want to encourage you, if you've not been able to follow us in that, you can always go back to our website and follow and click on those uh, previous sermons, and you can download those and watch those on YouTube as well, and uh, just to get caught up. Smith Wigglesworth. Anybody ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Okay, a few. Uh, man, a fiery British Pentecostal evangelist in his time said this, I am not moved by what I see or hear or feel. I am only moved by what I believe. Only moved by what I believe. I was recently listening to a sermon, a podcast about uh, someone mentioned this, this man's name, Smith Wigglesworth, and they said this about him, that he was not liked by quite a few people uh, because his faith was offensive. His faith was offensive. And the statement this preacher made was uh, that f faith in action offends faith in concept. I didn't say it, I'm just, I should give him props. Pastor Bill Johnson at Bethel said that. Since it's on YouTube, I don't want us to get blocked for not giving credit where credit is due. I didn't think that up. But faith in action offends faith in concept. And you can see why that would offend people, guys like Smith Wigglesworth, whom people would walk up to him in prayer meetings and services and complain, hey, I've got this ailment in my stomach that's, that is killing me, and he would punch them in the gut, and they would get healed. You can see why that would be offensive to some people, but the person who got healed walks away like, I didn't care if you punched me or not. I'm better. All I know is I once was sick, and now I'm better, right? But faith does that, and he's like, well, I'm not moved by all this stuff I see, all this stuff I hear, or all the things that I might feel, the only thing that will move me is what I believe. In church, we have got to make sure that is the kind of aim we have in our faith life, in our Christian life, in our life following Jesus, is that we will not be moved and swayed by the stuff we see or feel or hear. We will only be moved by what we believe. And what we believe is concrete in God's word. Our faith must be developed in this. Our, our, our belief system must be developed from God's word. And we've covered topics in this foundation series. We covered that, the Bible as the authoritative word of God. We've covered the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've covered man's original sin and fall and redemption and sanctification. We've covered the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've covered water baptism and communion today we're going to cover the lighthearted message of heaven, hell, and the second coming. Heaven and hell and the second coming of Jesus Christ. With a message I've titled, Ready or Not, Here I Come. 
Anybody ever play the game hide and seek? Come on, it was fun. I don't know if anybody still play the game of hide and seek. I still play the game of hide and seek, just not with grown-ups. I play it with a six-year-old and eight and an eight-year-old in my home. Our girls love to play hide and seek. We were just playing it the other day. Uh, but you know the object of the game. There's one person who counts, and everybody else goes and hides. And the person who counts, when they finish counting, the typical statement they make is, ready or not, here I come. And most often, my kids aren't ready when I come after them. I can hear them still trying to find a hide spot. And so I pretend, don't tell them that I don't go right after them. I give them a little more opportunity to get ready. Jesus has been giving us a chance to get ready. William Booth, a fiery Methodist preacher, pastor, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, The chief danger in the future will be religion without the Holy Spirit, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. The word heaven is mentioned 582 times in the King James Version of the Bible. The word hell is only mentioned 54 times in the King James Version of the Bible. I would propose that heaven is the greater emphasis than hell. However, they both exist. Heaven and hell are both eternal dwelling places. Look at this on the screen. You can follow with me before we get to our main text. Matthew 25, Jesus talks about this and addresses this. He's having this private, long private conversation with his disciples. And they ask him about when the end would happen. And when will we know all these things will take place? And he, he has this long conversation that's followed through Matthew 24 and 25. And before he has his last supper with his disciples. He said this in Matthew 25, 31. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, speaking of his return, all the angels will be with him, and then he will sit upon his glorious throne. It says, all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand, the goats at his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. And on down in verse 41, he says, the king will then turn to those on his left, and he will say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Notice, that is not man's job to determine if people will go to heaven or if people will go to hell. It has never been our job to decide if people are going in whatever location. There will come a day there was only one honest, righteous, fair, just judge. Jesus will have that opportunity and it will take place. Heaven and hell are both eternal dwelling. Think about this, eternal dwelling places. Heaven is for believers and will be perfection at its best forever. Heaven is for believers. What does it mean to believe? Well, one of the most concrete verses that are pro probably one of the most memorized verses in the Bible, John 3, 16. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a, a religious man at the time, in the night, and he was telling him about how to be born again and what that meant. And he said, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son 
into the world that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have what? Eternal life. The word believe is not about, hey, do you believe there's a God? Yeah, I believe there's a God. For the script James tells us even the demons tremble and believe that there is a God. The connotation, the implication, the meaning of that is deeper than just a, a, a thought of, I believe there's a God. Like, I believe the sky is blue. It has a greater depth to it. It means to, to believe. He, whosoever believes in the Son of Man, whosoever believes in Jesus, means this, to commit your life unto, to trust unto and in, and to have faith to give oneself up to Jesus. In other words, Jesus is telling us, whoever would believe in me, whoever would commit their life to me, whoever would trust in me as Savior, whoever would have the faith to give their life up to me and let me lead it and let me be their Savior and let me be their Lord, those are the ones who will have eternal life and would not perish. Heaven is for believers and it will be perfect at its absolute best forever, forever, perfect forever. Look at one description that Revelation gives, John the Revelator gives in Revelation 21 out of the Passion Translation. In heaven, it says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He will eliminate death entirely. In heaven, no one will mourn or weep any longer. In heaven, the pain of wounds will no longer exist. Anybody have pain of wounds? In heaven, they will not be there. They will not be there. It says, the old order has ceased. And God enthroned and spoke to me and he said this. Consider this, I, Jesus, am making everything to be fresh and new. Evil will not enter nor anyone who does what is abhorrent or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb or the Lamb's book of life. A description, one portion of a description of heaven is perfection at its best, and that never ends. That never ends. Heaven is perfect beyond our imagination, beyond our ability to describe it. Heaven has no mourning. Heaven has no weeping. Heaven has no illness. Heaven has no hate. Heaven has no wrong. Heaven has no pain. Heaven makes everything brand new and fresh, and it never grows old stays new, stays fresh, stays joyful, stays happy, stays perfect, eternity forever. Who gets there? Who gets to partake in heaven? Believers, people who have given their life in faith unto Jesus Christ and said, let Jesus lead me. Let Jesus save me. Let Jesus be the Lord of my life. Hell and heaven are both eternal dwelling places. Hell is for unbelievers, and it will be excruciating torment forever with no end. To be an unbeliever, look at this in um, Revelation 20, verse 15. 
It says, anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Hell is for unbelievers, people who do not commit, choose to commit their life unto Christ, to trust in him for salvation, to put themselves and give themselves up to the Lord Jesus himself. Torment with no end. Listen to some of the descriptions of hell. Jesus describes it in Mark's gospel, Mark 9, 48. He says, hell is where maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Maggots never die and the fire never goes out. Peter describes it in 2 Peter 2 as hell is, a, is gloomy pits or gloomy chains of darkness. No escape. Always dark. Always heavy. No way to get out. And in, in Revelation 21, John the Revelator sees it and describes it as this, a fiery lake of burning sulfur. A fiery lake of burning sulfur. The descriptions of these two places are real. They are eternal dwelling places. Now, the destination is determined by our choice. You see this throughout from from creation all the way through Revelation. God gives humanity the free will to choose. You see it throughout, played out throughout Scripture. We have the choice. What will we choose? Who will we choose? Let's look at our main text here in 2 Peter 3. Peter gives three thoughts on living in light of eternity. As, as, as humans, I know we don't always, we might have little moments, little peaks, same here, of, of thinking in terms of eternity, in light of eternity. But Peter narrows it down. He gives us three thoughts on living in light of eternity. Charles Spurgeon, another preacher. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. He said this, time is short, eternity is long. It is only reasonable that this short life be lived in the light of eternity. I know we, we think a lot, a lot of people think life is, is, is really not that short. It really is short. It is, Ecclesiastes describes it as a vapor. Life is but a vapor. But eternity has no end. And Peter gives us three thoughts on living in light of eternity. Let's, let's look at these three today. Verse 8. 2 Peter 3, verse 8, he says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Peter's telling us, hey, Live ready. Go ahead and live your life ready. I heard someone say this. It's always stuck with me. Live like Jesus is coming today, but prepare for a thousand years. Live like he's coming today, but prepare for a thousand years. Live ready. Peter describes it. A day to the Lord is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, live ready. Live ready. Verse 9. It says, the Lord isn't really being slow 
about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. How can a loving God send people to hell? Question that gets asked a lot. The simple, short answer is that God does not. We send ourselves. We choose. And Peter reminds us, we have, God is patient with us for our sake because he wants to see everyone, everyone, he wants to see everyone repent and come to the knowledge of Jesus. What is Peter telling us? Verse 80 tells us to live ready. Here in verse 9, he tells us to live with purpose. Live with purpose in Jesus. See, if we live with purpose in Jesus, we'll find ourselves in a position always living ready and waiting for what the Lord has for us, not only here, but for eternity, which is forever. The Lord is patient because he wants everyone to be saved. And heaven has always been the intentional, original destination for mankind. Hence, I think one reason why the word heaven is mentioned over 580 times. And hell is only mentioned a little over 50 times. The emphasis is not about the negative, it's about the positive. It's about the best. (laughs) The emphasis is about what's greater for us, what is best for us, what God hopes for us, what God intends for us, what God wills for our life is to be with him not only in relationship on earth, but to carry over and to carry on in everything brand new in relationship with him in heaven forever at its perfect best. But Peter tells us here, the Lord is patient. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your day. Don't waste your energy. Don't live with the mindset, one day I'll get serious about God. When I'm older, when my kids are grown and out of my way and I'm doing whatever I want to do, I'll make the decision then to get right with God. Peter tells us, don't waste your time. Don't waste your days away. Don't waste your entire life away because, one, you don't know how much time you have, period. That's not a scare tactic. That's just reality. No one knows when we will take our last breath, and no one will know when Jesus will return. So he says, don't waste away. Don't do that. Live your life with the purpose that is in Jesus. You see his heart that he is patient. You see his heart throughout Scripture that the original intended destination is heaven. Look at this, 1 Peter 2, 4. It says, God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And then in Philippians 3, those who are believers can say this with confidence. We are citizens of heaven. 1 Peter. Uh, Philippians 3.20, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. It says he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord, Paul says. Stay true to the Lord. I love you. 
I long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. I don't think Paul was just saying, I want to see you in the, in the flesh as much as he wanted to be with them. As much as he was saying, I want to see you on the other side. <laughs> I want to see you there. Which is why he urges, stay true to the Lord. Stay true to the Lord. You see God's heart throughout Scripture. That his intention is for all men, all women, all people to come into the knowledge of Jesus. And so Peter reminds us, not only live ready in Jesus, but live in, with purpose in Jesus. And then look at verse 10. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, when the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it, it along, on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Another description of the perfection of heaven that waits for believers. Live prepared in Jesus. Why live prepared? Because he tells us the day of Christ's return will happen unexpectedly. In Matthew 24, in this long conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples about the end and all of these things and when he will come back and all of that, he says this in Matthew 24, verse 30, um, 36. He says something to the effect that, he says, not, no one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels. And in many translations, it goes on to say, not even the Son of Man himself knows when the day of his return will come. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God the Father, and it's the Father who will determine and has determined the day, the hour, the moment, the minute, the second, exactly when he says, Jesus, it's time. Jesus, go. Today's the now. Now is the time. Now is the hour. And that's why Hebrews goes on to tell us, do not harden your heart. Today you hear his voice, don't harden your heart because you just don't know. Peter is letting us know in living in light of eternity, not only live ready, live with purpose, but live your life prepared. Prepare yourself to go and meet the one who is preparing a place for you. Because the day of the Lord Jesus' return will happen, no one knows when. Now we are told to pay attention to the signs, obviously, the signs of the time, and they speak to that. But we just don't know when. Just think about it, people. If, if you and me, if we as the believers in Christ would live with, with readiness, would live with the purpose of God, would live prepared every single day. I'm going to put myself there, preaching to me as well. If we would live this way every single day. Like the song we sang earlier, fear has no power in our life. 
death will have no sting or victory. The momentary, temporary pain of our short life, though real and and God cares, yet cannot cross over into eternity, into heaven. Because all that stuff cannot exist in perfection. Perfection just eats it up. Perfection just swallows it up. Oh, death, where's your sting? Where's your victory? It is swallowed up in Jesus. Jesus just swallows death. Jesus swallows pain. Jesus swallows sin. Jesus swallows our wounds. Jesus swallows our hurts. Jesus swallows our aches. Jesus swallows our grief. Jesus swallows every tormenting thing in our life. And Peter's reminding us, you don't know when he's coming back, so go ahead, make the decision, live prepared. Live prepared. I know this is one of those messages that gets people jumping and shouting and, you know, running around. I get it. I know. I I see it all happening right here in front of me. Live with purpose. Live ready. Live prepared. Here's the thing. The time frame of our destination, the time frame is determined by us either dying or us being alive when Jesus comes back. What do I mean by that? Look at this in um, Philippians first, or excuse me, First Thessalonians, chapter four. I referenced this a few weeks ago, but this Paul makes it so makes us understand it. First Thessalonians four thirteen. You guys still awake? Don't go to sleep because you don't know when he's coming. (laughs) Preacher joke. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring with him the believers who have died. Any loved one and friend in our life who is a believer who has passed already, they are not in our past. As long as we stay true to the faith, they are in our future. Every loved one who has ever passed Away. Scripture tells us that God will bring them when Jesus comes. And they are in our future. And we will see them. So the time frame of our destination is determined. When we die. It's appointed unto man once to die and to be judged. One time. We will die. You won't get any, none of us get any redos. There is no reincarnation. That does not happen. You die, you're gone from this earth. Believe me, I don't like preaching this particular message. But it's the reality that we have to live with Because that is how God is. That is how he has set this thing up. 
We didn't get saved and then beam me up Scotty and go to heaven. Old Star Trek friends. References. Everyone born in 1990, may not, 95 or even 2000. I don't know if you get that or not. I'm sorry. Those at home, you just got to be here. Sorry. You just got to just got to be here. Inside joke. But if we're alive when Jesus comes, here's what Paul goes on to tell us, verse 15. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. The destination, the time frame of our destination is determined by either when we die or if we're alive when Jesus returns, heaven is still our home and the reuniting takes place with our creator and with every other person who has ever lived and who's ever put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I think if we're, if we're even able to think this way, which I don't think we are, but if we were able to think this way, we would be, I think we'll be going to be surprised who made it. For people, surely there are people in our life who we thought you are not going to, you don't have a, you don't have a chance to make it to heaven. Right? Come on, if we're going to be honest. There are people we think, man, you are destined for hell. And if we were able to think this way, we're going to be shocked. You got in? And they may be thinking, who let you in? (laughs) I don't think we'll be able to think that way because that really won't be the issue. That really won't be the focal point. It will be all about Jesus and I don't know all the inner workings of heaven. I know people have written books on it and made a lot of money telling us about heaven. All I know is what scriptures tells us so far is that it's going to be perfect. And there will be a, reuni- a reuniting with people. There will be a coming together again. There will be this love that we've never truly lived with. 365, seven days a week, love in our heart for our God that will just explode because it's perfect. It's perfect. And Peter tells us, hey, live this way. And he goes on, and and, uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter, but he basically takes the rest of the chapter and he reiterates these three thoughts. Live ready, live live with purpose, and live prepared. In Jesus. Now, how do we live ready? How do we live with purpose in Christ? How do we live prepared? Well, it's not as complicated as we try to make it out to be. I think it's, I'll I'll leave you with these three thoughts on how we can live ready, live with purpose, and live prepared. And these are thoughts that that carry on. Number one, be born again. 
be born again. Believe in Jesus. Commit your life unto him. Trust unto him. Lift your life to him and let him take over. Quit, quit trying to make it about you. Quit trying to make life happen around your rules, around your wants, around your ways. Let's make life about what Jesus wants. Be born again. Put your faith in Jesus, that he is the Messiah. He is the appointed Savior of the world. Know that for sure. One can't come to the Father except through the Son, Jesus Christ. There are not many, there are no, there's, no, there's not a lot of ways to get to, to, to God. There's one way through his Son, through Jesus. Be born again. Believe. Number two, be baptized. I remember when I walked that altar nearly 20, just over 29 years ago, that the preacher who was kneeling down with me at the altar and praying with me, he, he, he prayed this prayer of salvation with me, and then he told me this. He said, you need to get water baptized. Now, there's no magical power in the baptism itself in the sense of the act of like, you know, hey, I'm getting in some water and all. There's, there's not like, you know, this, this magical potion or anything like that. But what it is, it's, it's a true, sincere, authentic, public act of worship that when you get water baptized, and we, I preached on this, so I'm not going to re-preach it, but when you get water baptized, you're going public in your, in your faith in God, that you have come out and said, Jesus loves me and Jesus has saved me and I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. Be baptized and in water and in spirit. Let the Spirit of God, let the Holy Spirit fill your life. Let him just baptize you with the fullness of who he is, the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of his power, the fullness of, and there's a lot of different descriptions about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit, in other words, let him immerse you. You become immersed in the life and the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit will power you. The Holy Spirit will fuel you. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you. The Holy Spirit will help you live this life of faith in Jesus Christ. Not only be born again, but man, be baptized in water and be baptized in the Spirit, and let the fullness of the life of Christ Jesus consume you and belong to a local church. And here's what I mean by that. I don't mean have your name on a membership roll. I mean have your life planted, rooted in the body of Christ called the church. Don't just be content to occupy a seat. Don't be content to occupy an online service. Don't be content to stop your life there. Go all in with the lifeline of the church. Go all in. It's Colossians 2, 6 and 7, where he writes this. You accepted Jesus as your Lord. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And you will overflow. You will overflow with thankfulness. Learn to be and to grow into being a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. Make that your aim. Make that your ambition. 
Make that your daily goal, if you will. I'm going to live for Jesus. It's not going to be a religious checkbox in my life. I belong to a church. Check. I attend the worship service. Check. Bury your life not only in Jesus, but bury your life in the church. And when we bury ourselves in Jesus and we bury our life in the church, the Holy Spirit causes our roots to go deep and our life to go high. See, when you become and you decide to grow as a lifelong follower of Jesus, you learn there are certain things that God, through his word, calls us to, actions, faith points, ways that we step out and exercise our faith, like being a giver. God challenges us to not let our treasure have our heart, but let heaven have our heart. Where Jesus taught us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To use our treasure when we give into our church and we give to the Lord, that God will use that for what he wants. And he attaches blessings to faithful giving. You see, as you learn to be a disciple, a follower of Christ, you learn to be a server. You learn to take on the attitude of Christ, to be there for other people, to use your talents and your gifts for the purposes of the Lord. You see this in the New Testament. You see this, we talked about this last week in Acts 2, the beginning of the church, the birth of the church. You learn how to be a community, learn how to be in community, learn how to be engaged in life together with one another, that, that you're not alone, you're not isolated, you're not doing this thing by yourself. With that comes the challenges of relationship where we where we challenge one another and where we can hold each other accountable and we can be there for one another to encourage and to pray for one another. When you become when you belong into a in a local church and you you, you put your roots down. You plant yourself there. You learn how to begin. You learn how to develop and grow in your prayer life. Because when you're around other people that are praying, your heart gets stirred to want to pray. And you know that you're not just praying for your needs to be met. You're praying for other fellow faith family members, for God to touch their life, for God to help them, for God to be there for them. You're exercising your faith and learning to pray. You also, what James tells us, you learn to be a doer of the word. You don't just hear it, but you also do it. Those are just a few action points to live ready, to live with purpose, to live prepared. I'll close with this verse. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. You can put away your Bibles, your notebooks. If you're watching right now from home or I'm just going to ask you to kind of get a, in a position to just kind of get quiet for a moment. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. He said, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or we are alive when he returns we can live with him forever. That's what he wants. 
because it's the best. It's the best. Said so, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. I know this heaven, hell, the second coming of Christ can be somewhat of heavy teaching to sit under. It's reality. It's truth. And God wants nothing more than for His creation to know His love. To know how much He loves us. To know how much He knows us. to be known in Him. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes for a moment. At home, watching online, if you're not driving, can you do that? The Lord just impressed upon me to, to, for us to pray this today. We don't do it every week. But we do offer That today, thinking and living in light of eternity, do you know Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you truly surrendered your heart, your whole heart, your life, your will to Jesus? Or you have, but you're in a place of life right now where you haven't really thought much of Jesus. It's not really been on the forefront of your mind. It's not been in the direction of your life. You may have prayed a prayer in some time past, but your faith doesn't seem very real right now. But you find yourself today hearing, listening to this and you're compelled to return back to the Lord. As we were reminded in Scripture, the Lord is patient for our sake. But let's not take advantage of His patience because we don't know when that will end. I'm just going to ask us all to pray this together you watching online, you can pray this with us. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, you are my Savior. I can't save myself. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins and shortcomings. I repent of all my ways and I turn to you today. Fill me fresh with your Holy Spirit. Baptize me in the Spirit today. I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you and help me move forward in my relationship with you to fulfill 
the purpose you have for my life. I thank you today. And I love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. And listen, if you prayed that today for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long time, we want to know so we can pray with you, so we can help you. If you're online watching and you prayed that, and you know it was a prayer for change, click on the connect link, and it'll walk you through. You can click that and click the boxes there that pertain to that. We'll follow up with you. If you're in person and you prayed that for change, you can either let one of our pastors know or you can go to the connect table at the back and take a card and fill it out and do the same and leave it and we will follow up with you. We just believe in trying to help followers of Christ take sturdy, strong, steadfast steps forward in faith. And we just want to help you do that. Amen.